Take your scriptures and turn to me, Hebrews chapter 9, beginning at verse 24, and reading through verse 28. You might note in your bulletin is part one of three, little section that will occupy our attention for three weeks. Hebrews 9, 24 to 28. For the sake of continuity, I'd like to begin reading at verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place, places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once. In the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered, once offered, to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin, on to salvation. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to begin our work in this text. We pray that you would help us as a result to read better the unique message coming out of heaven concerning our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he be glorified in our midst as we study of him in this text. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. You know that a marquee is that protruding canopy kind of a thing over the front entrance of a theater or a performance hall, often announcing in bright lights the featured event and the names of its stars. Many a worldling has dreamed of their names in the lights of a marquee announcing some musical sports, dramatic, or entertainment event. That's why it was just a tad bit shocking to me to drive north on Alden Nash and to come into the little community of Lowell and see right there on the corner where the old theater sets and the marquee is still there in the corner, to see on the marquee one of our members named. That marquee that is right there on the corner of what is now a historical building but was the old theater in Lowell said, and I quote, Happy Birthday Al Miller. And I was a little bit taken back by that because I've known Al Miller for a while but I never expected to see Al Miller's names and lights. I never expected to see, he can hardly walk let alone dance, I never expected to see 
Al Miller's name on the marquee. Some of the events that are listed on a marquee, of course, are, are things that relate to the sports world or uh, the dramatic world or the entertainment world or the musical world. Uh, but you know uh, that thing is a thing in the day in which we live. I, I went online and looked at some of the upcoming events uh, on the marquee at the DeVos Performance Hall, downtown Grand Rapids. And, uh, and uh, before the holiday period, uh, things on that site read as such. Peppa Pig Live. I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure our children know what Peppa Pig Live is. But that was on the marquee. And then there was a celebration of Billy Joel. I know who he is, and I would not go. And then there was an annual organ symphony. That sounded pretty good. And then there was a tree, uh, tribute to Fleetwood Mac. I don't think I'd go to that either. And then there was uh, the Broadway play upcoming called Come Away From. And uh, those were some of the things that were listed on the marquee downtown Grand Rapids. The common vernacular used for any one of those current events on a marquee display is now appearing. Now appearing. Peppa Pig Live, now appearing. You understand how that works. My mind has been captured by the words now appearing because the plain spoken truth of Christ in verse 24 is now appearing. The biblical phrase now to appear in the presence of God for us is a phenomenal announcement. The word presence is literally in the Greek the word for face. And so the phrase could be read now appearing before the face of God for us. Even right there, we can pause and say that all worship of God is indeed predicated upon the fact that he is the audience. The general way in which speech communication is taught in the classroom is that there is a speaker and an audience and that the speaker speaks or sings or dances or does his thing so that the audience can respond. But that is not what we are told in Scripture concerning the coming together of a local church. This is not about a speaker and an audience. This is about a leader and a people before the face of God. And uh, here we are told that right now appearing in the performance hall of heaven before the very presence and the face of God on our behalf is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. The word us has nothing to do with the worldly. Now appearing before the face of God, before the presence of God, in the presence of God, for us. The word us has nothing to do with a worldling. It is limited to those that have placed their faith 
in Jesus Christ. Today, we want to speak and think a little bit about the present reality of the Lord's heavenly appearance on our behalf, as is talked about in verse 24. But before we get to that, we want to call attention uh, in this text to the fact that it has, like the text of our previous hour, a time-sensitive thread line. Here is a clear reference to Christ as it relates to his current appearance in heaven, verse 24. But there is likewise a clear reference to Christ in his appearance past. Verse 26, hath he appeared, are the words of that verse. And then you have a clear reference to Christ in his yet future appearance, verse 28. And there is noted in verse 24 a reference to Christ as to his appearance now. So the first thing we confront is the current appearance of Christ. And then we confront the past appearance of Christ. And then we confront in this, in this text the future appearance of Christ. So three appearances, and I'm taking three weeks with it. Next week at the communion hour, we'll focus upon the past appearance of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and then the week after that, we'll focus upon the future appearance of Jesus Christ as it sits in the text. But this morning, uh, we are uh, uh, talking about the current appearance, where Jesus is actually, right now, in his flesh, appearing on our behalf. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But one more thing by way of broad stroke and introduction. It's intriguing to me that there are three different Greek words in the original language of this text that are all translated appear. And if you look up any one of the three Greek words, they all say that the definition of the word is appear. And so appear, appear, appear is the right word of choice. Uh, now appearing, he hath appeared, and uh, he shall appear the second time. All of those references to appear uh, indeed are talking about appearances, but each one uses a different word to say it. The word in verse 24 yields our English word emphasis. Emphasis. The word in verse 26 yields the English word phantom. And the word in verse 28 yields the English word optimize or optical. Now these are very interesting word studies on their own, but all three are brought together to present to us Christ as he is now, Christ as he was, first advent, and Christ as he will be, second advent. The plain truth and overview of the text is Christ did appear, he is appearing, he shall appear. Now this is the truth that stirred my thinking about the use of a marquee on a building to announce a current or upcoming event. 
Hebrews 9, 24 to 28, can be characterized as the reading of God's marquee, past, present, and future. And there's only one star named on the marquee of God's work past, of God's work presently, and of God's work future. And that name is Christ, Christ, and Christ. Christ is the star on God's marquee. Now let's direct our thoughts this morning to the truth that he is, quote, now appearing in the presence of God for us. Imagine that large marquee spanning the earthly sky with the bright words lit, now appearing before the face of God for us, Jesus Christ. That's the sign. That's the marquee of God that we are looking at in verse 24. Now, I give you four additional words that will help us to think upon this verse this morning, and those words are place, face, race, and pace. We begin with the word place. I call your attention to the phrase in verse 23, the heavenly things themselves. And I call your attention in verse 24 to the additional phrase, into heaven itself. The contrast that we have seen now for a number of weeks together, the contrast continues between the earthly shadow as prescribed in the tabernacle and its ritual Old Testament and the heavenly substance revealed Jesus Christ. We have been working for a number of weeks with this contrast between the law and its shadow and the Lord who is Christ. Between the model of the Old Testament and the master in the New Testament, between the figure of these spiritual realities and the reality of these spiritual realities. And the phraseology, verse 23, but the heavenly things themselves, and the phrase, verse 24, into heaven itself, places the emphasis at verse 24 upon the present reality. The point of emphasis, and I use that word precisely in verse 24, emphasis, is first placed upon the place of Christ's high priestly work, which is in heaven itself. He does not operate in an earthly model of the heavenly reality. He operates in heaven itself. Christ is now, in this very moment, operating in heaven. In the place most holy is where our Lord is. Place is the first element of emphasis concerning the appearance of Christ currently. The now 
appearing on the marquee of God, as it were, in heaven. The second key word this morning is the word face. Our children can now tell you that referring to the face of God is an anthropomorphism. Scripture itself speaks of God with human-like body parts, the hand of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, the ears of the Lord, the feet of the Lord, the face of the Lord. The Bible speaks of God with human-like body parts in order to help us understand the blessed truth of him as to his greatness, as to his power, and as to his glory. The word face, translated presence, as it often is in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, regardless of it being the Hebrew word for face or the Greek word for face, in reference to God, is, uh, is to be rightly viewed as being a, a, a representation of the currency of the reality of God's work going on right now, this moment, in heaven. Heaven as referenced, now appearing in the presence of God for us, heavens as referenced is to be understood as the abode of God. Christ is in his place this morning as the ultimate mediator between God and man. Christ is in the presence of God the Father, working on our behalf before the holy presence of the Father. Christ at this very moment advocates in the realm of the heavenly actual with God. What's happening? Well, I can tell you what's happening here. I can tell you what's happening in the neighborhood. But because of the Bible, and only because of the Bible, I can tell you what is happening right now in heaven itself. Both the Hebrew and the Greek words for heaven are used in various ways throughout the scripture and quite often in the plural. It is the Apostle Paul that tells us of three heavens. The first heaven is the sky over our heads. It's the space in which birds and airplanes fly. It is the location of clouds, and it defines the upper reaches of the zone of life that uniquely exists around planet Earth as created. Uh, this last week, I heard how many millions upon millions upon millions of miles away uh, the farthest probe is now uh, that is sending back pictures uh, uh, to the Earth uh, concerning what's happening out there uh, uh, beyond our heaven, beyond our sky, beyond our uh, zone of life. And one of the things that's amazing about those uh, 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 pictures is that uh, none of them are pictures of people. Back in 1958, my dad bought me a Kodak Instamatic, Instamatic camera. Had a little thing that you slipped into the back of it, a little cartridge you slipped in the back and shut up and took pictures. And all my life, I have taken great criticism with a smile uh, from members of my family, particularly my brother, who first heard the story, and then my sister, who then heard the story, and the rest of my children, who have heard the story and heard the story and heard the story, and I'm not the one that tells it. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I've heard the story of me getting this Instamatic Kodak camera uh, as a young child 
and, uh, and uh, taking my first roll, uh, roll of pictures. And, uh, and when my dad uh, took it into the drugstore to get the pictures uh, 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 developed, which is something he had to do. Kids today have no idea about that at all. Uh, but, I mean, by the way, we never did get a good picture, but you know what that is. But anyhow, uh, uh, when he went to take the pictures, he looked at number one as a picture of a cloud. Picture number two was a picture of a cloud. Picture number three was a picture of a cloud. Four, five, six, seven, pictures of clouds. Eight, nine, ten, clouds. Eleven, a cloud. <laughs> twelve, a cloud. I took twelve pictures. I took all my pictures of clouds. And my mother said to me, don't you care about people? <laughs> Apparently not. I like clouds. Twelve pictures of clouds. And so all my life in the family, it is, don't let him run the camera. He'll only take a picture of a cloud. But listen to me. Listen to me. Do you know how special clouds are on planet Earth? When that probe is going to the far reaches of outer space, it takes pictures of a lot of things. And one of the things it does take pictures of is clouds. And all clouds are considered to be special things in outer space because the zone of life that is around the Earth is unique in all the universe as far as scientists can tell. And it is unique in all the universe as surely as the Bible doth declare. So let's not be uh, too dismissive of the first heaven, which is, of course, our sky. But that's not the only one. The second heaven in Scripture references what we call outer space. And those recent pictures of NASA's probe have indeed been spectacular and evidence even greater design than unregenerate modern scientists would have ever imagined. But then the Bible speaks of the third heaven. The third heaven in Scripture describes the very abode, the very habitation of God. God dwelling as to a place is stated to be the final destiny of the righteous. Although the whole of creation in the heavens and the earth is made to be ultimately a new eternal habitation for God and his people. It is in the face of God, in the unique presence of the Almighty, that gives definition to the place called heaven. It is the actual holy of holies that was manifest in model form in that Old Testament 15 by 15 room held in the back of the Ark of the Covenant or where the Ark of the Head Covenant was held. Jesus Christ in his bodily resurrected person is now in that place 
in God's face. Just as you are here and present, Christ is there and present before the face of God. Just as you are here present bodily, he is present there bodily. And I confess to you uh, that my mind just reels uh, with trying to appropriate uh, uh, that in light of the declaration of Scripture that God is a spirit. But uh, the reality is, is that uh, uh, Jesus is in an actual place, in his actual body, right now, before the throne of God, and he's there for us. I, I just find that terribly encouraging. I just find that to be terribly encouraging. The declaration on God's marquee currently is now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true. He's not in the model, but into heaven the very abode of God, the very habitation of God itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So my third key word is race. We tend to think of physical things as actual and spiritual things as abstract. But we must be careful by the grace of God to stop that kind of uninformed and worldly thinking. Spiritual and heavenly actual is certainly as real as any physical or earthly thing perceived with our five natural senses. In order to perceive the heavenly actual or the spiritual actuality, you must personally know the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is why that Jesus said, while on earth and speaking to one of the world's most religious and moral men that have ever walked this planet, named Nicodemus, ye must be born again or born from above, because the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. I turned on the news this morning, and the one gal that was uh, broadcasting the weather had earring, earrings on that were dangling down long, and when the camera zoomed in, uh, they were skeletons hanging from the lobes of her ears, and, uh, and the guy that was behind the desk uh, as uh, the moderator of the news this morning said to her, calling her by name, I'm so glad to know you're in the spirit. He said, you're in the spirit. And he was talking about the spirit of Halloween. He's talking about the fact that this is a time of year when people laugh and, 
and cajole and, and, and make funnies over dressing up and, and this whole idea of the devil and demons is all just kind of like fun. And yet you and I know better than that. And yet we know that there is indeed spirits in the world. A long, long time now since we have been in tuned with German philosophy, we have recognized that the day, the day in which we live, the culture in which we live, has a spirit to it. The Germans called it the Zeitgeist. The Zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. And there is a spirit in the world, and spirits in the world. But here's the deal. Without the Holy Spirit, even if you think there are spirits, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot rightly perceive the heavenly and the spiritual as actual and real. The only way a person can actualize the truth of heaven and the things of the Spirit is by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why I say that we are people of hallelujah and not people of Halloween. Foolishly, people see racial divisions along ethnic and genetic lines. But biblically, all people are of one blood and one race physically. Yet there is a huge division within humanity, spiritually speaking. What did I just say? I just said when it comes to genetics, when it comes to ethnic background, there isn't any real racial divide. But what I am saying is there is a real racial divide and that it is drawn along spiritual realities, not physical realities. There are those that are defined by the word us, and there are those to be defined by the word them when reading scripture. And the singular dividing point is, of course, relationship with Jesus Christ. He alone makes you a part of us, as referenced in verse 24. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, says that the whole family of God is named in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ right now is appearing or making emphasis before the face of God for us. Now think of that. Jesus Christ is right now making emphasis before the face of God for us. So what's the emphasis? The Greek word that stands and translated appearing Verse 24 yields the English word emphasis, emphasizo. So what's the emphasis? It is the glorious emphasis of his sacrificial blood as applied to my case and your case before God, 
by faith in Jesus Christ who is there. That's the basis in which Christ is emphasizing to God the Father on our behalf. Again, I'm telling you, I'm pretty encouraged. It's really hard to suck your shoelaces when you read in the Word of God of such glorious, glorious things as this. The emphasis before God by Christ in this moment of time relates to the glorious result of his one-time sacrificial bloody sacrifice for our sins now applied by faith in his blessed name. So I'm so glad he's there. I'm so glad he's there. It's kind of an unusual thing to say in regards to a relationship. Usually, in the normal course of life, the only thing that you and I are inclined to say is, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. But here is a text that really warms the heart to the truth. I'm so glad he's there. I'm so glad he's there, making emphasis for me before God's throne based upon his sacrificial offering at the cross. There is a dividing race, us and them, and the thing that divides is the thing that secures, and it's not a thing, it's a person, Jesus Christ. That brings us to the last word this morning, which is pace, pace. Our Lord does not offer and offer and offer himself in bloody sacrifice, as did the Old Testament priests offer the blood of animals often, so says verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often. As the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others, and of course we know those others to be animal sacrifices. Point is made as to the pace of Christ's offering, being once in comparison or contrasted to the year after year after year after year after year after year after year emphasis that is recounted in verse 25. Christ died once, his sacrificial blood shed once, sufficient over all time. In the earthly system of ritual, under the law, the sacrificial animal did not go into the holy place. Let me say it again. In the earthly system of ritual under the law, the sacrificial animal did not go into the holy place, but its blood went into the holy place after its death and was rightly sprinkled in the holy place as the foundation for relationship and fellowship with God. But in the case of Christ, the blood was not taken in a bucket up to heaven 
to be thrown around before the face of God in heaven. But Christ, in the whole, went to heaven. Body, soul, and spirit. And is now there before the actual presence of God. Again, that's an important distinction. We want to rightly emphasize the biblical truth of the blood, the blood of Christ. We sing about nothing but the blood. And wow, what glorious truths are to be associated with that. But we don't want to be caught up in the cultic error that somehow the physical blood of Jesus in a bucket was taken to heaven. And they're somehow applied to our case. No. Uh, the blood wasn't what went to heaven. Christ went to heaven. The animal never entered the Holy of Holies, but Christ has entered the Holy of Holies. He is there. It's not there. He is there. And he's there in the hole. He was resurrected in the bodily hole. So that he could represent us personally before God. He is making emphasis for me, emphasis for you, before the face of God. Right now. That is actually happening right now. Just think of it. Now appearing before the presence of God for us. Jesus Christ. Read that marquee over the days of this new week. Read that marquee over your life, and it will lift your heart, and it will lift your mind in Christ Jesus. It will give you a fresh perspective and increase your sense of strength to live this week to the glory of God. Let your mind focus upon the truth of Christ. Let your heart Wrap itself around the truth of Christ. Let your lips speak forth the blessedness and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, thank you this morning for the listening ear and for the beginning of our opportunity in reading clear the marquee out of heaven concerning Jesus Christ. There was a day when the marquee out of heaven would say, He's here. Today, the marquee in heaven says, he's there. But soon, the marquee out of heaven will say, he's here again. Help us then to appreciate and to appropriate the truth that Jesus Christ is right now, in this moment of time, appearing in the presence of God for us. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.